So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Titus, chapter 3. The book of Titus, chapter 3. <clears throat> and while you're turning, I think it would be a good thing for those of us who are visitors here uh, to turn the tables and just say thanks to the Assembly of Midland Park for an excellent weekend. I have enjoyed myself immensely. It's been great to be here with Dan and with Clive and Joan, and it's been good to be here with all of you. But thanks to the assembly, really, um, the amount of work. I come from an assembly, as you know, that puts on a large annual conference, and I have some sense of the work and the effort and the money and all that goes into tr to, to hosting a conference like this. And so from our hearts, just please let us say thank you to you. And I hope the Lord blesses you. Some of you didn't even get to be at all the meetings because of work in the kitchen, but I hope God will make that up to you. And that as you work together at conference time, that that will just be the precursor of happy fellowship in days to come in the assembly. So a big thanks from us, and we mean that from our hearts. Titus then, chapter 3, and reading from verse 3. Paul writes, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different desires, divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Let me read the key part of this text again to you. May God, by His Spirit, fasten it upon all of our hearts. After that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appear, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. I want to talk to you a little at the end of the day about the kindness of God. In a world that knows very little about kindness anymore, a world that is self-centered and hard, a world that produces brokenness and tears. It's just a sweet relief to sit down for a few minutes in quietness and think about a God who is kind. I'm going to tell you a story about maybe the kindest man that I've ever met. I moved into the home that I live in <clears throat> almost 35 years ago, and I slowly, my wife and I, slowly got to know the neighbors, the people who lived around us. Many of them at that time were much older than us. We were uh, really the only young family on the block. And I met a man that was very interesting. He was almost borderline eccentric but he was, his name was Mr. Narr. Mr. Narr, I discovered later, was, had been a very successful man. 
He had run a large business in the city of Detroit. He had four or five children who were extremely successful. They were the CEOs of corporations and had very prominent places in, in businesses around the world. But there was something that bugged me about Mr. Nahr. You know what it was? I had never met Mrs. Nahr. And so one day, standing in my driveway, I did what I thought was a very normal sort of thing. I said, Mr. Nahr, I really appreciate you. I've enjoyed getting to know you, but I'd like to meet your wife. And there was a strange look went across his face just for a moment, but I noticed it. And he says, you'd like to meet Mrs. Nahr? Then you shall. And so taking me by the sleeve, we went down the sidewalk across the street, down four or five houses to the white home where he lived. And leading me up the driveway, he took me to the back steps and up into the kitchen of his home. And I met Mrs. Nahr. She was sitting in a corner, chain-smoking, watching TV. But she didn't taste the cigarettes, and she didn't see the TV. And it was very evident that there was a lady in front of me. that was deeply harmed. And without a word, after a moment or two, he just plucked my sleeve again, and he led me out of that home and back out into the street. You see, when he was a young man, he married the light of his life. A beautiful, vivacious girl that was to become Mrs. Nahr. And together they had four or five beautiful children. But when that last child was born, something happened. I don't know the medical details. I was too ashamed to ask. For 40 years, he got her out of bed in the morning, and he bathed her, and he dressed her, and he fed her. He got the children off to school. He saw to their education that they were dressed, that they were clothed, that they grew up to be ordinary, normal people. How many people would have put her in a home? I'm sorry for what I'm going to say next. How many people would have divorced her? And yet there was a man with unflagging kindness to the lady he loved. He cared for her every day 
of her life. One of the saddest days of my life was the day that he died. A woman, though she was insensitive to it, who had enjoyed the years of a man's unchanging kindness. There was a day when that kindness came to an end, and he'll never care for her again. You know, it is against that backdrop that I want to tell you about a greater kindness. I want to tell you tonight about the kindness of God to us. And that in our brokenness and in our sin, in our rebellion and in our alienation, there is a God who loves us and who is committed through His Son, Jesus Christ, to display His kindness to us throughout the ages of the ages. From this little text then, let me preach the gospel. Because we read about the kindness and love of God our Savior. I want to speak first of all about kindness revealed. You may have wondered why I read verse 3. Look at your Bible, please. Don't look at me. Look at your Bible. Because verse 3 seems like an odd way to segue into a subject of the kindness of God. Because Paul reflects on what he once was. We were. I was foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's what he was until the kindness of God was revealed. You know, God saves all of us at different times and different places, and I'm not going to re-preach Brother Barber's testimony, but, you know, I was moved last night because I think he probably would stand up just now if we let him and tell you that he pretty well fit into verse 3. I'm sure the Apostle Paul felt that because that's what he wrote. And if God had not saved some of us when we were real young, verse 3 is exactly where my life would have been. How wonderful that in that scenario, God's kindness is revealed. You know, there's a hymn writer named Charles Gabriel. Um, Actually, most people don't look at who the hymn writers are of the hymns that we sing. But in our gospel hymn book, the Green Pacific hymn book that we uh, sing from a great deal, I think some of the very best hymns that are in there are by a man named Charles Gabriel who lived in Iowa in the 1800s, late 1800s. And one of my favorite hymns there is number 80, In Loving Kindness, Jesus Came. Dear friend, tonight in this meeting, I don't know what you think about the coming of Christ into this world, but I want to tell you that Paul's heart and my heart tonight are filled with this, that the kindness of God our Savior toward man has appeared. The birth of Christ is not just an excuse for an orgy of gift-giving and overeating. It is the record of the coming of the Son of God into the world to be our Savior. It is a declaration of the kindness of a heart of God that could readily have have turned from us and consigned us to eternal judgment. And yet, in loving kindness, Jesus came. And for all the days of His life, for all the days of your life, 
and all the days of my life. I may forget what my home address is, but I'm not going to forget this. That Jesus loves me. And in His Son, He has revealed kindness to me that I never deserved. And that kindness is not a temporary expression of a passing feeling, but that in Christ His kindness will be revealed to the ages of the ages. You know, I not only want to talk about kindness revealed, because that kindness that Christ revealed carried Him all the way to a cross. When I think about my dear friend, Mr. Narr, and I think about the extent of what he expended that his kindness might be shown. You know, it's just a little picture of the greater sacrifice of Christ himself. His sacrifice, his kindness did not merely carry him to a manger. His kindness did not merely carry him to the dusty byroads of Galilee. His kindness carried him to an old rugged cross where in kindness for your soul and mine, he died as our substitute and as our Savior. But you know, I want to talk not only about kindness that has been revealed, but I want to talk about kindness that needs to be received. You know, that's where illustrations always fall, fall very short. Mrs. Narr was in no condition to decide whether to receive or to reject his kindness. She simply received it because there was no other option. But there's a wonderful story in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel about a man named Mephibosheth. That's a name that's pretty hard on preachers, but, um, but that's his name, Mephibosheth. And you know, he was on the losing side of a civil war. And in those days, the losers were executed. The opposing party was put to death, and yet in a faraway place, there was one remainder of the family of Saul and Jonathan, and he lived. The problem was, he was desperately crippled. One day, and by the way, I would invite you to go read 2 Samuel chapter 4 and 2 Samuel chapter 9 and discover that there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was King David, he is a picture of the Lord Jesus, and the kindness of God moved his heart. And rather than being self-satisfied with a crown and a kingdom and a throne, his question is, is there anybody left from my enemies that I can show the kindness of God to? And so, Mr. Mephibosheth, in his handicap and in his want, as in his home, far from David and far from Jerusalem. And one day, there's a knock on the door. And there's a man there. And his message is very simple. David the king wants to show kindness to you. Now folks, Mephibosheth, may have been lame, but he was not stupid. Because I'm going to tell you what went through Mephibosheth's mind 3,000 years later. You gotta be kidding me, right? Really? I mean, this is the oldest trick in the book, right? 
<laughs> King David, really, on the throne? Mephibosheth, me, down here, come see him so he can show kindness? You out of your mind? He just wants to cut my head off. There is no possible way that I'm going to fall for that old trick. I'm going to stay right where I am. Well, I don't know how Mephibosheth made up his mind. And I don't know how this man and the cruelty of his handicap was overcome by the kindness of David's heart. But I know this. He made a choice to come to David. An act of incredible faith responding to an invitation from a king that he had never met. And as a result, that man entered into kindness that he had never known before. You know, can, can I just give you a little sidebar here to that story? Just, this is Sunday school, but we, we just work with that. Do you know what the Bible says? The, the Bible says that David actually seated him at his own table. Do you know what that means? It means that his handicapped legs were hidden out of view while he feasted with the king. Is that kindness, brother? That's kindness. Let me tell you about the kindness of God to me. He's forgiven my sins. And all of my rebellion and all of my waywardness, I once like a sheep went astray, doing my own thing and going my own way. And in His grace He has called me near. In His grace He has forgiven me and given me a place in His family and a seat in His table. All predicated on one thing. Kindness must be received. There's no doubt about what Christ has done. There's no doubt about God's heart and His interest and His message and His invitation. The only thing there's any doubt about is what you're going to do with it. And I think a good question in every gospel meeting is just this, what are you going to do with Jesus? We, we don't preach about decisions for Christ. That, that language is foreign to us. It's not biblical. But I'm going to tell you something. In every gospel meeting, every person who hears the gospel makes a decision about what they're going to do with the Lord Jesus. Every single person. Here was a man who received kindness. Here was a man who entered into blessing. Because when the king said, come, he came. I want to solemnly warn you about the danger of kindness rejected. Paul wrote in Romans 2, do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You know what is the solemn reality of every gospel meeting? I've been preaching in gospel meetings and gospel series for over 40 years. And I have had the sad experience of looking into the faces of people who heard the kind invitation of the King, who heard about the kindness of a Savior who came to Calvary to bless them through His death and sacrifice. And they went away without Him. 
And I'm sorry, but I've got to finish this sentence. Some of them are in hell tonight. The gospel is not a trivial thing that we're tacking on to the end of a Bible conference. This is the most important meeting of this afternoon because right at this moment there are souls that hang in the balance between heaven and hell. Believers, you're free to close your eyes and ask God that there will be none who will fall into that terrible place because kindness can be rejected and blessing can be mixed, missed, and eternity can be lost. One last point. Kindness has been revealed in the person of Christ and His cross. Kindness can be received by those who come to Christ. Kindness can be rejected by those who turn from Him. But there's a little verse in Ephesians chapter 2. And you don't have to turn to it. I'm just going to read it for you. I was saved through the words of some verses that appear in this epistle. And this little book is very dear to me. Last year, with some of my beloved friends who are here, I actually was in the city of Ephesus. And maybe I just didn't let this show on my face, but my little heart was just absolutely full. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What an amazing thing that to receive his kindness now will mean that you will enjoy His kindness as the ages of eternity roll on. My dear friend tonight, do not miss Christ. Do not trample underfoot the kindness of God in the giving of His Son and in the provision of salvation and cleansing through His blood. Receive Him today. Accept His kindness. Enter into the sunshine of His lovely grace. And together with believers, we shall enjoy in the ages to come the kindness that never ends. May God help you to trust Christ, shall we?